Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, Brewer fans, welcome to another uh, recap episode of the Brew Crew Review. Uh, this is Scott, and I'm joined today by Craig. How you doing, Craig? Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello. Um, yeah, kind of a rough night. Um, Brewers uh, lose 8-6 to six after um, holding a 6-2 to two lead, so uh, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, gave up six uh, unanswered runs and wound up losing it. Rough night overall. Um, here, actually, well, before I get your take on it, I'll just run through like a little bit of the um, kind of scores and like scoring plays and things like that. We'll go through the pitching line really quick, uh, and then we'll talk about it. But, um, yep, started off, uh, Josh Limblum got his, uh, got his first start. He only lasted three and two-thirds, uh, three hits, two earned, three walks, and five Ks. I uh, was kind of pitching in trouble a little bit, um, but relatively uh, could have been a lot worse than, than the two earned runs. But um, Yardley came in and worked a clean inning. Fred Suter pitched one and two-thirds. He kind of struggled today. He gave up two earned runs. Corey Knabel came in. Um, he struck out two guys, but he unfortunately did allow the tying run to score, but that run was charged to Brett Suter. And uh, Bobby Wall came in and uh, gave up a two-run bomb. And unfortunately, uh, that's basically what happened today. It did not work out very well. Uh, Brewers were gifted four straight walks and I think five total um, in the seventh inning and were able to get four runs. They scored six runs today on just five hits. Um, but uh, Pirates answered right back before their own in the seventh. Uh, Justin Smoke with a big error to threw one. Uh, uh, tried to tried to do a fielder's choice, throw a second, and airmailed it into the outfield. That was kind of a little disappointing, and that kind of led to a big inning there. And ultimately, yeah, Brewers uh, took the loss. But um, Keston Hero with a big two-run homer. Arcia had a, a nice uh, bases-loaded double that um, was about a foot away from being a home run. Uh, but then he was promptly uh, thrown out at third uh, on a sack fly in which he did not slide going into third. Um, so that led to kind of an easy double play and sort of killed that rally a little bit. But, um, yeah, there's your game recap. Um, Craigers, what are your thoughts? Um, Scott, uh, you might want to see if you can let Vince into the the party here because oh, uh, hey, Vincer's gonna it's not much of a party, but um, hey, yeah, Vincer's, I mean, I guess um, <laughs> I'll just greet Vince here, quick. Vince, uh, we actually, uh, first of all, hello, and second of all, um, we just kind of went over just a brief recap of the game. Uh, just from a stat perspective, and now uh, Craig's going to give his take on, on the game. Outstanding, guys. Sorry for being a few minutes late here. It was commiserating for a moment. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, he still beat Chad, recap. so... That's true. Chad, is Chad on? No, he's not on tonight. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, it was a nice recap by Scott just now. Unfortunately, the Brewers, of course... So the Pirates tonight, 8-6. to six. Like Scott said, we had a 6-2 lead at one point, but our bullpen, which is supposed to be our strength this year, is pretty terrible today. Um, I guess 
I guess Bobby Wall really kind of blew it with a two and homer, but I mean, Canable even came in about some runners that were on base to score, unfortunately, to tie it up. Um, Brent Suter came, got put back out there after he, uh, the Brewers gave him a 6 2 lead. Um, he, of course, was in relief of Lindblom, who had to leave with, I believe, a back injury. Fortunate that he was making his debut back in Major League Baseball after couple of years overseas so against his old team albeit the Pirates fortunately he had to leave early didn't pitch particularly well like Scott pointed out but overall uh, just not a great overall performance I guess it would be also a myth to not mention at this point that also Kristen Yelich our almost two-time MVP of the last two seasons uh, was took another 0 for with an 0 for 4 as now batting 0 45 on the season. Obviously, none of us think that this is going to continue, but I had a remark for him hitting over 400 in this 60-game season, so I'm a little bit – I guess I'm slightly worried that that might not still happen, but I'm still confident. Yeah, it was definitely a rough night overall. Um, Vince, do you have any uh, takeaways on tonight's game? Uh, you know, it seems like you guys really hit it on the head. I, you know, I, I don't think that we should expect to win every game. I think that uh, that seventh inning was, was incredibly brutal, though. It just seemed like it, it took bad baseball to a whole other level. It, um, the thing that kept us in the game was that the Pirates were also able to play that poorly for that uh, inning as well. So it was just like this comedy of errors that took place. Unfortunately, we had a few more errors than uh, Pittsburgh did. I a little bit better um it just seemed like things unraveled incredibly quickly i mean partly it's because uh Suter himself is a quick worker but it just seemed like uh just this rapid fire succession of of balls outside the zone and uh, hit batter and i was a little surprised that council or um at least chris hook didn't go out to the mound to kind of try to calm Suter down um at some point i know that you know Suter's a very intelligent guy who comes into the game with a plan but um, I was a little surprised that at least somebody didn't go out there to talk to him. Uh, if nothing else, Manny Pena. But um, it just seemed like all of a sudden we were we were up by what four runs or five runs, and then before you knew it, the Brewers were you know facing another bases loaded situation and sort of couldn't throw a strike, and it was just like one thing after another, and then a, a, a very costly error by Justin Smoke tonight as well. So um, not good. I did just talk to our colleague Tom Hodricourt. Um He did say that Josh Lindblom is. He was dealing with back cramps, uh, to answer your question there, Craig. So, yeah, it was a back injury uh, or a back issue, but not a tremendously serious injury, it sounds like. Um, it was back cramps that he left the game with. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is obviously going to be a lot more difficult to do after a loss and a win um, going forward, guys. But I, I suppose since I'm in charge of the um, pessimism department for the broker view, I guess I will – I think we should start something up like the gut punch moment of the game for these losses. And, <laughs> unfortunately, I have to nominate um, after the Brewers blew the six uh, to lead they had, the tied up six, there was some hope for optimism. And the Brewers actually had runners on first and third with no one out in the bottom of that next inning. Uh, thinking yep. they could take the lead and then, you know, hand the reins over to Hader and the rest of the back bullpen. That would be great. But, fortunately uh, – Javi Garcia lined into a double play and they got basically let the Pirates open off the hook on that one. 
fortunately, but that was a gut punch uh, when I was, yeah, I don't like that yeah, at just, all. Just, just to show what a weird game it was, that inning started offensively for the Brewers with Ryan Braun bunting for a, well, I guess a single, uh, but a two-base uh, play where he, he bunts and ends up on second base, almost on third. Uh, I mean, the Pirates committed two, two uh, potential errors on the play, uh, just kind of a crazy series of events. So Braun trying to bunt for a base hit to get on and uh, Pirates throw wildly down the right field line or the first base line and into right field. And just, just one thing after another uh, for a couple of innings of the game tonight. So, but yeah, that's a good, that's a good gut punch. I think that the gut punch uh, moment of the game was one of the ideas that um, our anonymous source, Tom Carter had mentioned as being a, a good addition to the podcast, Craig, speaking of very pessimistic people. Yeah, that's what he thought. Oh, yeah. He, he is a pessimistic man himself, so. Yeah. Definitely been through a lot for the Brewers uh, in the years that he's been supporting them, which I believe is most of his life. Um, and sure. During, yeah. Hopefully, T.C. Tom, we like to call him Tom C. here on the show, or T. Carter, if you guys prefer. He doesn't care either way, just as long as we don't say his name, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so overall takeaways here with this Pittsburgh series, guys. I mean, the bad news is is that we lost 2.7 games to the Pirates tonight. The good news is is that we won 2.7 games against the Pirates yesterday. And sort of the bottom line is is that we've got the opportunity to win another 2.7 games from the Pirates tomorrow. <laughs> Looking at it in normal in normal season terms, like dog years kind of thing. Well, and it would probably be even more if um, I guess we should probably talk about this a little bit. If uh, any of the future Brewer games wind up getting postponed or even eliminated from the schedule, uh, things are not all that well in MLB right now from a COVID perspective. Um, in fact, yeah, the Marlins basically what? I don't think they're going to play all week. Um, all of their games have been postponed. Yankees and Phillies have been postponed um, trying to kind of uh, keep their COVID outbreaks in check. Uh, Manfred has said that he it's he he isn't ruling out the possibility of some of these teams playing less than sixty games. In which case, like a playoff berth would be uh, dependent on like win percentage, apparently. So I I don't know. Are we making this up as we go along? I guess we kind of have to, right? Nobody's been through this before, so uh, I I don't know. It's 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 weird, wild times. Yeah, just like not being a fan of pretty much a man for it ever does. I'm just not a fan of that either. I mean, obviously, uh, being realistic, there's going to be some games that probably won't be able to be made up. But just straight going with a winning percentage uh, doesn't seem really fair. I mean, if a certain team, you know, has three less games or something like that, and the other team had the opportunity to win, you know, two or three of those games and therefore have a better winning percentage, it's not – to me, that doesn't seem fair. I mean, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. It's 2020, I guess. You're not going to complain. But I, I'm i a little bit shocked and, I guess, appalled at the fact that the way that this situation is being handled by MLB is basically the rescheduling. I, so, basically, the Marlins are off the whole week, which I thought with the 60-player pool, they should have been able to play games later in the week or at least by the weekend. I don't get that. Um, and number two, um, I guess 
basically the, they just rescheduled games. Some of their opponents from the uh, that were the Yankees and the Orioles, who basically lost out on the Phillies and the uh, Marlins, respectively, as opponents this week. So they just decided to reschedule games for both the next two days, Wednesday and Thursday of this week, and just to have the Yankees and Orioles play against each other. I mean, is this league being run by the same scheduling as like a bowling league or a beer league softball? I, I don't understand it. Like, how is that going to work? I, I don't. I don't get it. So, I mean, why do the Yankees get to play two additional games against the worst team in the in the AL when other teams in the AL East won't get to do that? Doesn't make any sense. But we'll, I mean, I'd like this, to hear your guys' thoughts on that. The schedule is going to have to be you know, kind of adaptable, unfortunately, as this thing plays out. And we all knew that an outbreak like this could have been at risk. I guess that, you know, great answer for initial question, though. I'm also a little confused because the Marlins have 19 personnel who've tested positive for COVID. Um, but yet they do have this, you know, they should have another team that is both the taxi squad and the guys who are training off, you know, site that should be available in theory. I guess that maybe the only thing I could think of with this is that because there's a limited number of guys on that other squad and maybe they're having to test the Marlins who have not tested positive yet. Like maybe they have to be out for 14 days because they were exposed to somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm very confused about it as well. You'd think that the math would work out, you know, if there are 60 guys uh, overall and there's 30 guys, at the big league team. And I guess they've got three guys on their taxi squad there. That still leaves 27 guys that should be available to be called up uh, to play the Marlins games uh, this week. And I'm, I'm just confused as to why that's not taking place as well. So I, I, I don't have an answer, but um, I, I agree with your overall questioning of the entire thing. Scott, what are your thoughts on what's going on? I mean, all of the protocol was, was put in place and was set up in such a way that um, even if a quote like outbreak were to happen, like kind of what's happening with the Marlins, um, that there would still be a way to be able to play, like play and get these games done. And if, if that's not the case, then what, what were we doing in the first place? You know what I mean? Like the, the whole reason why everything was set up the way that it was, was supposed to be in a way that you would be able to get, these games and you wouldn't have a situation where you'd have to postpone like a week's worth of baseball for one team. And here we are. So <laughs> I don't understand it. And I guess the part of it, instead of, you know, obviously uh, the rest of the country that's not um, getting tested every day or whatever was under the assumption that if you were exposed to someone that would test a positive COVID that you would, you should, you know, self quarantine for two weeks. Well, that's not, setup that would work for this major league baseball season because the entire team obviously would be exposed to someone who recently tests most likely. And therefore if the entire team are being quarantined. It's like, you're not going to call your entire taxi squad and play a game. I get that. So I think that their system to answer kind of Vince's uh, confusion, I believe it's the fact that as long as you test twice negative uh, after being exposed to someone, you can then it's, therefore still get back out there. So um, it, it, it's, that, it's twice yeah. negative, twice negative on two. Uh, it couldn't be the same day, like within, like uh, not within the same 24 hours, but yeah. Yeah. So that. I can't even play this weekend is because all the players that didn't test positive still have to 
uh, test negative because uh, they were exposed to the players that did test positive. I'm not exactly sure, but that seems kind of logically what's happening, but I, I don't really know and I don't get it. And it's going to cause huge problems going forward if this continues and we'll see, but it sounds like Manfred did, uh, you know, you did confidence that this is not going to derail the MLB season. So that's at least uh, reassuring in some well, form. Yeah, Craig, there was some good news today on the COVID front, too, with baseball. I mean, the Marlins situation is rightfully getting all of the headlines, I guess. But um, the good the good news is that there were no other uh, positive COVID case or tests uh, in the latest round of testing on any other major league team. And I think that that's, that's kind of remarkable, actually, um, given the circumstances. So, I mean, that means that 29 teams uh, don't have any active COVID cases or don't have any new COVID cases uh, in some cases. So I, I think that that was a really good piece of news that came out of this today. And that does give me some hope, um, you know, that, that things will continue, that we will be able to hopefully see this season through to the finish line. Yeah. And you got to kind of feel bad for Juan Soto, the world series champion, Washington nationals from your neck of the woods, Vince, because he finally just tested negative twice. Um, and now, and he's ready to return then or is able to return because he, he tested negative twice. But now apparently the Nationals won't be playing anyone this weekend uh, because they were supposed to be playing the Marlins. So it's not really working out for them at all. <laughs> yeah. After after a team vote, which is interesting, by the way, that I, I don't think that the national players have the final say uh, in whether or not they – um, they they play and obviously Major League Baseball has made a decision. The league ends up having the final say, but the Nationals did take a vote today uh, and voted not to go travel to Miami to play the Marlins before MLB stepped in and uh, said that they will not be holding the game. So I don't know if Major League Baseball maybe even took that into account, although they weren't they wouldn't legally have to. They um, you know weren't they, they wouldn't have to under the the agreement that was put in place with the COVID protocols for this season. So, but that may have been a factor as well uh, in in kind of looking at the whole situation. And then backing up to Sunday's game, uh, which the Marlins did play against the Phillies, um, supposedly some players tested positive before game time, and there were players that were exposed to those players. Um, and they, as a team, supposedly led by Team Camp, and I think, I think uh, Miguel Rojas or something, decided that, hey, we're going to play anyways. And that's disturbing to me that that's happening and that's not the decision being made by uh, the organization uh, in in lockstep with MLB's policy um, of not going forward if that's the case I you know so obviously that didn't I don't know it's just it sounds like again a mess so hopefully the kinks get worked out after this Well, it should definitely uh, be an interesting ride anyway. Um, the season is, what, a week old almost? <laughs> and, like, here we are. So, um, well, not even had their uh, official not opening even. day in Miller Park yet until this Friday. <laughs> hmm. All right. So, are you going to fly back home? To, uh, you going to tailgate in the Miller Park parking lot on Friday? Um, I don't uh, know. Will, will they let me? I don't think that's allowed. In fact, I don't mind if you do it, I actually read an article here locally that apparently the Miller Park phone lines were barraged with people asking if they can still tailgate, not just for opening day, but for all, if they can come to the Miller Park parking lot 
and basically tailgate, you know, without a parking charge through any game that was happening at Miller Park inside um, throughout the year. And they were, were bluntly told by the organization, no, you cannot do that. At Probably least you don't want the time, liability, but, but Scott, you're used to drinking by yourself anyways. Like, I mean, if you showed up at the parking lot and you're socially distanced and you sat there with your, you know, case of Dobbs, you'd, you'd be fine. Yeah, I don't really see a problem with it, but I don't even know. I'm, I can't even imagine, like, if people just went to the Brewers in this year that they're losing all this money and they're like, hey, can we give you money? You don't have to do anything. We just want to go in the, like, hang out in the parking lot and grill some food and listen to the game. They're like, no. <laughs> so, or actually, yeah. the way it probably went is the first person that called was like, I have no idea if you could do that. Hang on, let me ask. And then they just wandered around the office asking people at random. Probably private detective Antoniak. He got his information <laughs> in the same place. He found out how much it cost to close the roof. <laughs> <laughs> could be interesting. Nah, can't do that. Uh, yeah. Certainly wasn't Tom Carter. <laughs> no. But Milwaukee should take some refuge in, in the fact that with that news that they can't go to Miller Park parking lot to um, tailgate, I think they still are allowed to go to any random West Dallas alley and tailgate to their heart's desire. So feel free to do that. They can also tailgate at bars because they're open. Oh, okay, cool. If there was something that all of the tailgaters could protest, then it would be fine because they could, <laughs> they wouldn't have to socially distance then like, we just have to think of something, you know, like a yeah. noble cause or something like that and be like, okay, let's all get together out here, you know, turn on the game, grill some food, and hopefully make yeah. the world a better place. Laws only matter if it's not for certain causes. <laughs> oh, what can you do? Well, uh, rubber match tomorrow, uh, 6 o'clock central, I think. So, um the yeah. Brandon Woodruff against Joe Musgrove, both the uh, number one starters. Yeah, fire for the Brewers, so should be a good. Right, one. should be a great one, guys. Looking forward to it. We'll uh, we'll continue to to send out our tweets uh, live during the game. I know that our interns have been busy doing that the past few nights, and and, and props to the interns who did stay up and and did handle our Twitter feed uh, in last night's marathon of a game, uh, extra inning game after an hour and a half almost long rain delay. So props to props to, to our interns for doing that. So uh, if you if you aren't currently doing so, please give us a follow at BrewCareview1 on Twitter uh, and, and continue to send in your questions. We'll get to them on one of these episodes. Uh, BrewCareview podcast with an S at gmail.com. And Scott, you're banning our Facebook page, right? Uh, no, Facebook I don't even think exists anymore. I think our YouTube and uh, Facebook pages have gone the way of the dodo, unfortunately. Um, but I do want to thank, um, actually, to, to the couple people that gave us five-star reviews lately. Uh, really, really appreciate it because we don't have that many reviews yet. So those five stars really, really count. So we greatly appreciate that. Great. Thank you. Tell, tell your mom thanks, Scott. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. And we are, uh, uh, your colleagues here at the Brook Review, Scott, are glad that you made it back safely from, you know, partaking in those uh, protests out in Portland that you, you were at a couple of weeks ago. And I'm glad you're, you know, you're back before the federal government sent out the tear gas and the pepper bullets and all that I, good stuff. So I did not protest, but I saw some that of the aftermath. 
Yeah, Scott wasn't attacking the federal courthouse either, so that's that's good. I mean, Scott's a decorated Navy veteran, so we know that he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Neither of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that note, I guess we should wrap up another great episode. <laughs> Look forward to uh, hopefully better things tomorrow. Um, thank you again for uh, listening, and stay classy, and go Brewers. Stay classy, Wisconsin. Go Brewers. Thanks, guys. Go for us. Do, 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 do.